Hey y'all, in tonight's podcast journey, we continue on through the book of 2 Samuel with chapter 14. And we left off and David was mourning the, 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 not only the death of his son Amnon, but his desire to be reunited with his son Absalom, who murdered his son Amnon. And we'll continue in verse 1 of chapter 14. Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom, so he sent for a woman from Tekoa who had a reputation for great wisdom. He said to her, pretend you are in mourning, wear mourning clothes, and don't put on lotions. Act like a woman who has been mourning for the dead for a long time. Then go to the king and tell him the story I am about to tell you. Then Joab told her what to say. When the woman from Tekoa approached the king, she bowed with her face to the ground in deep respect and cried out, Oh, king, help me. So here we have Joab, and we're going to just pause for a second here. Joab is close to David, and he sees David's loss, the loss in David's heart for his not one, but two boys in this downward spiral that has set place in in his family. And Tekoa was known for olive oil, and olive oil represents wisdom in this time. And here we have this woman, and he approaches her, he's like, look, will you do this for the king? And then she cries out, oh, king, help me. And she's setting the stage here. We'll continue in verse 5. What's the trouble? The king asked. Alas, I am a widow, she replied. My husband is dead. My two sons had a fight out in the field, and since no one was there to stop it, one of them was killed. Now the rest of the family is demanding, let us have your son. We will execute him for murdering his brother. He doesn't deserve to inherit his family's property. They want to extinguish the only coal I have left, and my husband's name and family will disappear from the face of the earth. So she weaves a tale that's really quite parallel to David's story. And Joab knew that reconcile, reconciliation was needed in this family. He knew that, that they need to be reconciled in for Israel to be, to, for Israel to, to, to continue to move forward. They, they needed to have some reconciliation in this family. And so we'll continue on and see how David responds to this tall tale this woman is, is leading him into, this, this parable, if you will, in verse 8. Leave it to me, the king told her. Go home, and I'll see to it that no one touches him. Oh, thank you, my lord, the king, the woman from Tekoa replied. If you are criticized for helping me, let the blame fall on me and my father's house, and let the king and his throne be innocent. If anyone objects, the king said, bring him to me. I can assure you he will never harm you again. Then she said, please swear to me by the Lord your God that you won't let anyone take vengeance against my son. I want no more bloodshed. As surely as the Lord lives, he replied, not a hair on your son's head will be disturbed. Please allow me to ask one more thing of my Lord the King, she said. Go ahead and speak, he responded. She replied, why don't you do as much for the people of God as you have promised to do for me? You have convicted yourself in making you have convicted yourself in making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of us must die eventually. 
Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. So here she is like speaking forth about Jesus. God sent us Jesus so that we can be brought back from being separated from him through the sin that is in our lives. We can be reunited with God because of Jesus. And she speaks boldly, but wisely. And she has a sense of urgency. And she knows the the situation is crucial to being spoken exactly right. And she does. She uses bold wisdom in this. In He's neglecting his role as king to hand out justice for the sake of his family. And the mission ends up being accomplished here because she she kind of is manipulating in a sense here, but she's telling this parable, this story, to lead him to see what he's doing in his life. So it's for the greater good, she tells this parable, but they get it gets his attention. It gets his 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 attention to the situation and and what is actually happening in his own household in his own family in verse 15 it continues i have come to plead with my lord for the king because people have threatened me i said to myself perhaps the king will listen to me and rescue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance that god has given us Yes, my lord, the king will give us peace of mind again. I know that you are like an angel of God in discerning good from evil. May the lord your God be with you. I must know one thing, the king replied, and tell me the truth. Yes, my lord, the king, she responded. Did Joab put you up to this? And I'm going to pause there because it makes me laugh. He he, he knew. He knew. <laughs> they know each other so well. And... He, he had a feeling like, this This is the work of Joab's hand. So the woman responds, and the woman replied, My lord the king, how can I deny it? Nobody can hide anything from you. Yes, Joab sent me and told me what to say. He did it to place the matter before you in a different light. But you are wise as an angel of God, and you understand everything that happens among us. So the king sent for Joab and told him, All right, go and bring back the young man Absalom. So Joab bowed with his face to the ground in deep respect and said, At last I know that I have gained your approval, my lord the king, for you have granted me this request. Then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king gave this order, Absalom may go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. So the wheels are in motion for reconciliation, but there is no actual reconciliation being done yet. He He's brought home, but there's no true, real reconciliation. And God sent us Jesus to reconcile us to himself. And God satisfies justice with Jesus to reconcile us to him in forgiveness in that aspect. God forgives us for everything that we've done when we repent and turn to Jesus. And we're supposed to in turn allow offer that forgiveness to those around us as well, and especially those closest to us in our lives. In verse 25, now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year, and then only because it was so heavy. When he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. He had three sons and one daughter. 
and his daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very beautiful. So here we have uh, Absalom is kind of like Rico Suave. He is all beautiful, and his hair is all luxurious and Fabio-like, and it, it kind of paints a picture that he, he has a bit of pride in his appearance. He, he's a bit of a prideful man, and he he looks beautiful, and he seems like he might be a little bit prideful about that. In verse 28, Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him, but Joab refused to come. Absalom sent for him a second time, but again Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, Go and set a fire to Joab's barley fields, the field next to mine. So they set his field on fire, as Absalom had commanded. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house and demanded, Why did your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom replied, Because I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Geshur if he didn't intend to see me. I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. So here we have bitterness and rebellion. He's been waiting for two years. He's been at home and hasn't yet seen the king. And he faces no consequences in this chapter, at least, that we hear of or see of burning this field. There, there's no consequences this for this. And he doesn't ever repent for killing his brother. He doesn't say, look, I'm sorry, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I killed my brother. I'm a murderer. He doesn't ever repent. He challenges. And we have a type of reconciliation here, but it's not true reconciliation because true reconciliation cannot happen without true repentance. And us repenting is what truly reconciles us to God. And sometimes God gets our attention by setting our barley fields on fire. They are his after all, not ours. Everything belongs to God. And Absalom is living by his own moral code and he takes on justice for himself and what he sees is right in the moment. And he hasn't repented. He just wants to get what he wants. It's not true repentance. He resents the king and he acts out in that resentment, but there's no true reconciliation. And these stories are, are not Stories that are told are hard to ignore. When that story was brought to David, he couldn't ignore it because stories are hard to ignore and it catches us off guard. And the mark of the sinner, the sinners in in David's family, the sin in David's family is repeated in his sons. And sin never pays off. And they have they have murder. They don't care. They don't repent. They're not respectful. They're not repentive. And we have sexual sin and murder and David's life and family, that they're not the same after the falling out that ha David had with sin. And it's a lot like the priest Eli in the previous chapters in in 1 Samuel, in how he was very passive and his sons just got more and more rebellious and evil. And David's sons are basically turning into that same pattern that we're seeing through these verses. 
And we, we desire reconciliation and forgiveness and peace in this family. We know that David is called by God and there is a covenant in David's dynasty. God is going to move. God is on the throne. God is in charge and God is going to bring that covenant promise forth regardless of all this mess. He's going to make this mess and turn it into a miracle. He's going to make this mess and redeem it. He's going to take this ugly, sinful mess, and he's going to turn it into a beautiful mess used for God's glory and for his purpose. He's going to turn it, restore it, redeem it, and make it right with him. He is on a mission, and God's mission will come forth. Thanks, y'all. We'll continue on tomorrow. Have a good night.